When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Flyers may not be in it, but nothing, absolutely nothing beats the NHL playoffs. Let's all enjoy it together right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 116 of Orange and Back Check. So glad you are here. We will have a very important update pertaining, pertaining, there we go, pertaining to one of our own, pertaining, pertaining. Turning, pertaining, paterno? Yeah, but no, we're not bringing that, that, (laughs) that Penn Penn State State reference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We we will have a very important update regarding one of our own here on orange and back check towards the end of the show uh so stick around for that make sure you are following as always at orange and back check podcast on twitter facebook instagram all that good stuff you can catch all our clips even tiktok as well uh we're on there uh just posting some clips um when we remember it's been a it's been a crazy couple of weeks uh but as always a guy across from me who has a very very important role this week as always scott weinhardt why is my role important this week? Well, we're going to talk about the backup goalie, and that's ah, yes. We're going to talk about the backup <laughs> goaltender and their dominance this playoff season, of course. Uh, you know, it's crazy that, you know, I know a lot of fans, they look at this and say they don't think of the backup goaltender. Like, oh, yeah, the starter. But it, I, I think it's one of the most undervalued positions in sports. Like, honestly, backup anything. You need a guy who comes in here and does that. And you look at you know, Nick Foles. And Nick yeah. Foles is a great example of future Colt. Col- yeah. According to reports, he's gonna oh. he's gonna be a, an Indianapolis <laughs> Colt soon. Oh which my is goodness. Hilarious if you if you've been following the if you're an Eagles fan as well as a Flyers fan, like that's uh that's pretty funny. Yeah. Well, at least he's not gonna be a Washington commander. <laughs> that well, would be let's another see what happens here. <laughs> let's let's not write off that 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 story yet. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah, but I mean, it, I, I, you know, it, it's one of the things I noticed over the past, like, especially after the first round, I was like, man, there's a lot of backup goaltenders there. And I think it's undervalued. I think we should spend some time today talking about it after they're, you know, we talk about the more important stuff. Well, the more important stuff is, and I'm, I'm, I didn't put this in the show notes because I wanted to get your live reaction. Uh, Taylor Ham or pork roll? Oh, dude, it's totally pork roll. <laughs> Thank you. It's pork roll. There's no doubt in my mind it's pork roll. Absolutely. I mean, we were talking the earlier in this week i think maybe even last week i i and just randomly one of us brought it was me. I was I was eating a pork roll and egg sandwich and you're like, "Oh, nice." Good. You don't call it Taylor Ham, right? I'm like, <laughs> "Why would I what self-respecting person would call this damn thing a a Taylor Ham and 
egg or whatever that it's Taylor's ham pork roll. Yeah. Like, like that's how they identify, um, but that's it. how they do it in like the, like you go around New, the New York area. I believe my father-in-law calls it, uh, uh, calls Taylor, it ham. Taylor ham. Yeah, just yeah. Because that's how it is up there. Like, you know, like, Oh yeah, you have Taylor ham. It's kind of like, Canadian bacon, like you know what I mean? Like there's there's well Canadian. I used to think Canadian bacon was I don't know what I used to think it was. Now I know it's basically just a pork roll. Yeah, that's really what it is. There's another one, you know what I mean? So the further you go north, the further the the further away people get from the actual name of it, which is yeah, the correct name. Pork roll. Yes, pork roll. Pork roll. Now here's the here's the here's the here's the big question. The big question. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a whole there's a one specific breakfast meat that is probably the most controversial thing in the entire world, and it is local to our area. It's so. It, are it, you a Scrapple fan? Yeah. It, uh, listen, uh, if you enjoy Scrapple, you're a detriment to society. See, and then, like, I'm, then I'm one of the biggest detriments. Good. To society. I'm I glad love Scrapple. I'm glad we got this out of the way. Like this is this is if you can name. One thing, and don't say, I don't want to hear you say, it's all the stuff that's left over on the cutting room floor, the butcher room floor of the meat shop. What is in Scrapple? Pork liver. Ugh, see, that sounds terrible. Who, who it's wants not, that? though. It's Are not. you Googling I mean, this? Yeah, I am totally Googling <laughs> It's made out of flour. It's made out of all the other di- different things in the uh, in, in All the of thing. the other things, yeah. That's so exactly what you want to hear. Scrapple your- is made out of hog offal, such as the head, heart, liver, and other trimmings, which are then boiled and, and many bones attached, often the entire head, make a broth. Once cooked, the bones and fat are removed, the meat is reserved, and a dry cornmeal is boiled to make broth into a mush. Listen, you know what a delicacy. Uh, well, listen, you know, it, 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 any part of a of, of a pig is edible. So, I mean, you know, you're gonna say, "Oh, I'll eat, I'll eat part of the ass, which is the ham bone or whatever." <laughs> but uh, you know, I won't, I won't eat the head or the heart or the liver or anything. So, like, that's that's my point. Now, scrapple is an actual delicacy, if you ask me. It's it's amazing okay. because it's so yeah. versatile. It's so versatile. It's so versatile. Eggs are versatile. Eggs and potatoes are versatile. Can you scrapple is a square maple syrup on eggs or potatoes? Yes. It's not. It's not. I'm not. I'm not going to. I've seen it done. Like, Mm -hmm. like, here's the thing. When you breakfast food, I will give you this. You can include scrapple in this. Breakfast food is one of the few things that like if it's it can be in a mosh pit on your plate. You don't have to separate it from everything else, depending on what you're getting, like all syrup and bacon. Amazing bacon, right. like like that kind of everything. Everything can go together and be eaten in one uh, in one swell bite rather than one fell swoop. Fell swoop. Thank you. You're really having trouble. With your I, I am. Uh, and, and instead of like. You're eating a, a a steak, and you're not going to combine the steak with the broccoli. You might, but it's not it's not as appetizing as, as combining breakfast foods together. That's my okay. point. Yeah, and I don't want to. So jump again, topic. I included Scrapple into this, but Scrapple is still a detriment to society. L- listen, listen, it's so versatile because you can put syrup on it, and you can eat it that way, or you can put it on a breakfast sandwich, which is absolutely outstanding. You know, Ugh, and, and Scrapple yeah, no. egg and cheese, dude. Like, you know, you talk ah. about like, you know, what are we? This is the end of the food segment on Orange and Backshack. I'm right telling you, it, 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 listen, there's nothing more. And dude, you fry it; it gets so crispy on each side. It's so absolutely delicious, man. That's what makes it so good. 
No. Yes, it is a squared breakfast meat that does not look right. But you know what? It is <laughs> absolutely <laughs> amazing with the mush inside is. It's outstanding. They're crisp. And then the softness, dude, it is a delicacy. And if you eat Scrapple, do not listen to Bill. You are not a detriment of society. You are a, a fantastic human being no. because you're using all parts of the pig to feed your body. There you go. All right. Uh, the Flyers. Uh, speaking of things that are detriments to society, um, the Flyers are obviously conducting their their coaching search. A big name that popped up over the last couple of weeks, about a little less than a week now, actually, uh, was the very shocking firing of Barry Trotz from the New York Islanders. Legendary coach. I mean, probably a surefire Hall of Famer when he decides to hang it up. Uh, as of today on Saturday, Sunday, they did interview him or are planning on interviewing him. Had a conversation uh, with him. According right. To so Fletcher is doing his due diligence. I enjoy, I do appreciate that, that he's following through on these things. Um, if you were to sit, let's just look at the big picture. Like Barry Trotz is a surefire win. If you are able to get him behind the bench for the orange and black, right? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. yeah. I, I, it I think that what he's able to do, and he's shown through his career, he's able to take a team that doesn't have a lot and build it into something. Nashville is yep. a great example because he was the first coach of the Nashville Predators when they expanded in 1998, and he was there until 2014. That's a long, long time for NHL coach. I mean, I didn't realize I, it was that long. Oh, yeah. He was there for 16 years. And, and that's what's crazy about it is that, you know, he, he he didn't make the playoffs until 03, 04. And then from there, they missed the playoffs once in the next eight years. So, you know, it's, it was, he's, he's a, he's a guy who's proven that yes, correct. It took him a long time to even like went around. So, but at the same point, he has shown his body of work of being able to come in and get a team over the top. It's kind of like a Peter Laviolette situation. If we look at it here, He's so, very similar to a guy who gets your team going and gets them over the top by winning that Stanley Cup in in uh in Washington. He was there for he was there for four years, and then next thing you know, you lose in the second round three years in a row, and then goes and wins the cup. Yeah. Um, so two of those losses were to Pittsburgh. That's an I'm glad you brought up the point that he's in the same vein as Peter Laviolette, because this is my so I would welcome Barry behind the bench because I think you, it, it, it's nice to have a surefire winner behind your behind your behind the glass behind the bench. My problem is Barry Trotz himself in the sense that listen, he's not a young guy anymore. He's looking for a team that is as soon as he's there, they're already a playoff team. They're just looking for that that extra push to get them into the Stanley Cup final. I don't see that here in Philadelphia. We talked about how. Yes, they are a uh, fringe playoff team, despite the poor record that we saw this year. Um, I, we can both agree or be convinced, in my, in my opinion, uh, that this team is not as far off as they, we are led on to believe, especially now that they have assets in the third overall pick and, and, and that kind of thing. My concern with Barry is that he doesn't want to be on a team that is retooling or rebuilding like what we're dealing with here in Philadelphia because again he's not a young guy he wants to win now he wants probably one more cup two more cups under his belt uh for his his tenure as a coach in the NHL it's a fit but I don't know if Barry sees it the same way if that makes sense I 
here's the thing with that though. I, I, you have to look at his whole body of work where you had to like his home, his home uh, province is Manitoba and like mm-hmm. Winnipeg. And he interviewed in Winnipeg and it didn't go out with a deal there. I, I don't know. And they're, and they're a lot closer than the flyers are. I think for, you have to think of this, the travel purposes in the East is a lot better than in the West. That's, that's a really a big, yep. lot of thing for, for a coach, you know, but the thing is, is that everybody's putting all their eggs in this one basket for, um, for Barry Trotz, when really there's there's still just as good coaches out there. Yes, they oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, they don't have the Stanley Cup on their resume. But let, let's let's look at the body of work here. Okay, Peter Laviolette had a Stanley Cup when he came in here. Okay, yeah. but he hasn't he hasn't he he, he hasn't won one since. He's been to a final since again, but I mean he has not won since. You, you know, so and then look at Barry Trotz. He's been coaching since 1998, won Stanley Cup. Now you're talking about a guy where we're talking about him like he's yeah, so probably be a Hall of Fame coach. But and he can get any job that he wants because he's you know he's really a premier coach in in this era. But when you look at, at, at the grand scheme of things, here's a guy who who's won one Stanley Cup who's been available, and a guy who had took a team in 1819. Let, let's let, let's take one thing in perspective here about the Islanders that was actually huge and people probably don't remember is that he, in 2018 that season is that's the season that John Tavares left at the yeah. Island, and they and they were really like. They were they they missed the playoffs the year before. They they finished second. They had a five place improvement that next season without John Tavares. Yeah, it was a big yeah. shock. It, right. it surprised a lot of people that they were right. this good or right. that good. And that's quality coaching because that what you did is that you lost one of the biggest stars in the NHL, and now you had a team that would just basically you had to put them together. And look, I mean, you finished with 103 points. Now. I know there's a lot of questions going into why he was fired. I understand that. I I can look and see from a Lou Lamorello standpoint. Now, listen, I, I'm not an expert on Lou Lamorello. Lou Lamorello is a very closed guy. He's got a circle. He's very to himself. He does. But if, when you listen to like Brian Burke's book, Burke's Law, you know, Berkey played for Lamorello in college, and he's very specific in what he's looking for. I can see why they fired him. Absolutely. Think of it this way. Okay. In 2019-2020, Yes, they lost in the conference finals to Tampa, but they were also fifth in the Metro, okay? They only had 80 points by the time everything happened. They were 35 and 23 in 68 games, 80 points. Last season, 2021, they were were fourth. They were fourth in the East and still lost in the conference finals, so they were fourth. So they weren't one of – they were a good team, but I don't think that – if you're looking at Lou Amorello, I think he was aware that looking at that second place and knowing what they're capable of and not achieving that and yeah. then missing the playoffs completely this year, it's probably best for both wages to par ways and then find a different coach for them to come in and, and give the team a spark. Because obviously, regardless of what went on this season, the long road trip because the arena wasn't done, all the COVID issues this year, they had a battle back towards the end. But still, two fifth-place finishes and a fourth-place finish, I can see why Lou Amorello would want to move on from that coach. Absolutely. And what was the stand? What was their place in the nineteen twenty the bubble year when they made? Was that the fourth place? They were then. No, they were fifth. Were fifth in the Metro. So, so they were. Were they one of those teams? I don't remember this. Were they one of those teams that they kind of just included in the playoffs because of what of how weird that situation was? Remember that they I included. Can't remember, I, I can't once, remember off the top of my head. I think they were. I think they. I think they had to play in. If I'm not mistaken, Did they that's have to what play I mean. In? So, like, yeah. that goes to your point about uh, Lou and his mindset of this team was underachieving for the time, for an extended period of time, and just things Correct. broke their way. Correct. Like, the Flyers should have beaten the Islanders that year, 
and they didn't like that's really uh, the, the trap in game seven will do yeah. that to you exactly yeah exactly so it, it, i definitely see the point but that goes to again to i don't again i don't know if that lends to the favor of the flyers hiring a guy like barry trotz i'd rather them i'd rather see a young, like just a younger guy, like a, like a, like a guy, like a, I know we'll bring him up. I'll just say him, Jim Montgomery, uh, down yeah. in working in in St. Louis right now. He obviously has the tenure down in Dallas before his uh, issues with uh, alcohol abuse, and he's been in rehab for that and gotten help for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just more appealed by a guy like that because one, he's coaching right now he, he's like d- despite the blues loss last night um to colorado like they're still they're still in the second round of the playoffs they're still battling through it and it's just it's a it's a different method because he's only worked with uh dallas on the professional level at the at a head coaching role like that's that is more appealing to me to figure out new blood figure out what you can get in out of it out of this team and just go from there. That's what that's what more, is more appealing to me than than Barry Trotz right now. And and here's the thing: like you, you a lot of people are, are not going to like the Jim Montgomery aspect for two reasons. First of all, if you look at a guy like Jim Montgomery, I, I here's the way I look at it is that you can't go by the name. If Barry Trotz isn't the right fit for this team, you don't want Barry Trotz. You tried it with Elaine Vigneault and it did not work. You thought, Hey, mm-hmm. let's bring in this premier coach like Elaine Vigneault. Yeah. That went real well. Well, you it worked for a while. Right listen, listen, as, as bad for as, one season as ba- I know, but as bad as it got, like it, it, as bad as it got under Elaine Vigneault, it worked for a full season. You had something uh, no, there. Not even a full season. It worked for half a season. If you want to look okay. at the body of work from the beginning of the year, it worked for a half season. And here's the thing. We, they got to the playoffs. They won a playoff round for the first time in 10 years almost. Yep. You're right. You're right from that standpoint. But it didn't work the year after that with the COVID situation. It's fine. You tried it again this year, and you couldn't get the team going. My concern is this with Barry Trotz. My concern. Now, look, his track record speaks for itself. He can do everything he's won everywhere he went. He's, he's, played, he's gotten his teams to the, the playoffs and been a good a playoff and a Stanley Cup contender team. But if he's not the right fit for this core group of players, which the Flyers can't move all of them this offseason. Yep. If he's not the core, he's not the, he's not the fit for the core, then that's what it is. So the Jim Montgomery standpoint, you have a guy where you can't look at this as, oh, my God, he's a former Flyer. He played 11 games for the Flyers. He played yeah. nothing for the Flyers. Like So, for instance, he played, he played mainly for the Phantoms run, but he played eight games in 94-95. And then he played five games in 95, 96 for the Flyers. He played 13 games in two seasons for the Flyers. The rest of it was with the Phantoms. So you can't say, oh, he's a former guy. Yes, he played a lot of games with the Phantoms. That's fine. And, you know, he's, he's familiar with the organization. But here's the thing about which I think people are going to overlook, which I think is critical. But at the same time, it's, we, we've seen this experiment. He's, he's won with college teams. So, for instance, like he, uh, okay. he, yeah. he, won, he won the NCAA championship in 2017 um, with, uh, with, with Denver. So, um, he's actually, you know, he was the coach there for five years and he, he's, he's done, he can show he's, he's gotten a team win. He's gotten them to develop and he's gotten them to, to play well over the while there. So, and, and that's the op, not the exact opposite of Dave Haxtall, but in, in comparison, like Jim Montgomery did the progression that you normally see in the, the, the growing pains of becoming a head coach in the Correct. NHL. You did, Correct. 
you paid your dues in the college level. You probably went up to the AHL level or you, because of his winning ways went right to Dallas and that's great. So and then it's you know, way different than Dave Haxtell. Agreed. And he played and he, he coached one season, really a season and a half with the, with the stars And the first season, you know, in, in 17, 18, Ken Hitchcock was behind the bench for Dallas and they were like seventh in the division. Yeah. They had 90 something points, but that was a real tough division. They had 95 points and they missed the playoffs in seventh place. That's really, that's a tough thing to do. So they made a change. And what happened was the team improved. They finished with less points, 93, but they finished with being fourth in the central. So that tells me that, you know, there was enough improvement in a, in, a, in a division that is competitive overall to, to get that. And you still get it to the second round. You're, you're building something there now. Yes. He was fired for, you know, issues with um, pertaining to his, to alcohol abuse, which he went to rehab for, um, you know, there's a lot of speculation at the time. And I believe we talked about it of why he was fired because they're actually 17, 11 and three, which is not terrible record in 31 games, Yep, but you know, with that issue, they had to make a move. And that's the team in 1920 that went to the final in the bubble. And yeah. when Rick bonus was behind the bench. So he's, he's, he, he, he can hit you. He's, he's got enough of a track record for me to show that say, okay, you know what? You know, this is a guy who can probably be a guy who builds a team. You, you can look at Barry Trotz, but I, I, I always reflect people to this. When you're talking about a coach, take the emotion out of it. What was the biggest coaching change that ever happened in this city that led to the, one of the biggest success stories. Okay. Or at least one season that yeah. it worked. Okay. We moved them from chip Kelly and we went on to Doug Peterson. Everyone's like, Oh my God, Doug Peterson. He was awful here. Oh my God. Why would you bring in Doug Peterson? Well, guess what he did in Doug's second season. They won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that was because you need a guy to help build the team together. Coaching isn't all just about X's and O's. Coaching is about really building a team together and getting them to play very hard for each other. Yeah, other. building a culture. Yes. That's and, really and that, what it is. That's really that's what it what is. Need. And that's what need. And there's no disrespect to Mike Yo because I think Mike Yo is very honest and straightforward. But, you know, and he even said, like, Scotty Bowman couldn't fix his team this year. They have some problems. But yeah. you get a guy like Jim Montgomery outside the box thinking where he can come in and build a specific culture or Barry Trotz. But that's the thing they need to look for the most. It's not so much the X's and O's and what kind of its system they implement. It's about the culture they want to build inside that locker room, which this team desperately needs. They desperately need it. And that's one of the things where we we talked about a moment ago that you brought it up, um, touching on the figuring out what this core is or who the new core is for this team. How much say should the new coach have? Like in the in the in, like if you're if you're Chuck Fletcher, put yourself in his shoes for a second. And, you, and you're interviewing Barry Trotz, you're interviewing Jer Jim Montgomery and all these other, other candidates that I'm sure they have, hopefully, according to Chuck Fletcher, at a list. Like, do you give him it, them insight on what you're going for? Like, hey, we're thinking of naming Couturier captain. We want this to guy. To, we're trying to move this guy in TK. We're trying to keep this guy in Joel Farabee and just go down the list of, hey, this is who we identify. Do you agree? And if you don't agree, I think that's the end of it. Like, if you're Chuck Fletcher... You got to trust yourself more than what the, the coach says, right? I mean, it depends. I, yeah. I, I look at it this way. In general, I don't know how much could it say that coaches have um, in, in player movement and stuff, maybe some calling up from the minors and stuff like that. But uh, I'm not sure exactly how it could be like that. Um, I, generally, coaches don't have a whole lot of say in roster personnel. And, yeah. and it's not like football. From from what I've seen, I you know everybody could be a little bit different, but there could be something where like you know 
you could have like conversations like with that thing on Amazon where you had Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe talking about certain players and what they need to do to get going and what they want to bring up, get down, all that stuff. Like they're going to have those conversations like that and see where they're at. Uh, but overall, actual roster decisions of who should be moved and all that stuff. I think they have an overall meeting and an overall view of, okay, we need to move on from this guy or we, well, you know, th- we have this player versus this player. I'm sure they're part of those. They're definitely part of those conversations. But as far as say is which players move on, I, I don't think it's as much as people want to believe. I think that that's a more of a group decision rather than two people. Right. I mean, especially because you saw it uh, when we had Anthony Sanfilippo on when he did uh... – Oh God! What was the name of the project he did? Fly, fly by, fly guys. No, no, no. I know that flight plan, flight plan. Yeah, and you saw what they were doing when they were discussing uh, swapping out Sam Moran and putting him up higher in in the draft board. That was a fascinating look between Paul Holmgren and everybody uh in that in that room so you're right it's a group decision yeah. um I, we saw if you're what if you saw this clip on youtube or facebook you see the the guest appearance we have uh what before we get to to get to sawyer the playoffs i mean this has been some of the most insane playoffs that i've seen in a long time like it it just feels way more uh competitive if that makes sense like obviously we always say once you're in anything can happen but something about this playoffs just feels different uh in the sense of competition maybe it's because we have an, a, a battle 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 for alberta and calgary and, and edmonton right now uh where Connor mcdavid is just doing putting up stupid numbers uh mm-hmm. but the most recent thing i jordan bennington went out again went out with a lower body injury we think it's the knee last night on saturday against colorado where they ended up losing um, this has been the era of the, the, the playoff of the backup goalie. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, this uh-huh. has been a perfect example of, and you made it a point to me before when we were in our little break here between episodes, this shows how important that backup goalie is for Without the flyers and you got to nail it. Yeah. Absolutely nail it. Yeah. And I've, yeah. I, I've kind of changed my tone because of it in the, in the idea of Felix Sandstrom or someone like that. Uh, backing up your because if you have a young guy backing up heart to heart and you're in the playoffs, that's a lot of pressure on the kid and could ruin them. Yep. Really ruin them. Yeah. And that's what really concerns me is that I think that it's one of the most underrated positions in sports because you have a guy who can come in here and you need him to win playoff games. And when you're thinking of a backup goaltender, that's why I've been harping about Martin Jones all season long. Cause I'm like, if that's a guy who we need to get, get into the playoffs, he has an established playoff career. Yep. I mean, listen, now he's been to a Stanley Cup final. He's come down from a 3-1 series that being down to 3-1 where he wasn't playing well in games one through three. And then finally, they come back and beat the Golden Knights. So, yes, I, I, you need someone with established playoff experience because it's not so much about the skill. It's about the experience, about all about the headspace. 90% of goaltending is mental. It really, really is. It's confidence driven. If your confidence is low, guess what? You're going to play like crap. But you have a guy who comes in here and you can actually, you know, settle things down, not overthink the game and just play the game and focus in on that. You need playoff experience to gain that in the first place. So like this season, it's insane how many back of goaltenders have been playing in the playoffs. Like I've never seen this before. In my life, I, I, it was bad enough. It was crazy enough when you had a backup cut to a goaltender go into a playoff game. Yep. Now you had six backup goaltenders in the playoffs this season on the first round. You had Billy, who was so last night, obviously, because, and that's the thing that makes me scared about the, the Blues, because 
the Blues, and the Avalanche caught a break because Jordan Binnington was finding his game again. I saw how yep. angry he was after that game one overtime loss, and he played very well in game one. He played very well in game two and was going to give – I know he's going to play well in game three because he found his game again, and that makes me nervous because when he's on his game, he's extremely hard to score on. But if he's out for an extended period of time, I don't have much confidence in Billy Huso because while Billy Huso played well during the regular season – I get, I don't know about playoff experience. He doesn't really have any. So, you know, that, you know, you given up what five goals on 23 shots. So, you know, that's not, that's not something to write home about. And as a no. backup goaltender, you got to be ready. You had Louis Domingue in Pittsburgh, you know, and, that, and they had their backup goaltender too. They had um, Casey DeSmith who was at out in game one because Tristan Jari was hurt. So really overall seven goaltenders because Louis Domingue was third string. And then, you had Pavel Francis in uh, in um, in Colorado when Darcy Kemper got the stick in the eye, but he's yep. back now. You had Connor Ingram for the Predators because UC Saros was out. You had Antti Ranta for the Hurricanes who's playing now because Freddie Anderson's out. And then when Antti Ranta got hurt, had Peter Kachekov come in and play a game. So that's what I'm saying is that I have to look at the combined record of of these uh, what's called of, of these of these goaltenders. Yep. And I'll get back to you next week about it. Well, there's certainly no wins on the Predator side. That's for well, sure. Well, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Chekhov actually had one win, but I think he had a loss as well. I think, uh, yeah, Connor Ingram didn't have a win. Pavel Francis, he got the win. Louis Domingue, I think he won, uh, what, he won three games? Yeah, he won three yeah, games because the... it happened in game one. So he won three yeah. games for him. Um, Pavel Francis won a, won a game there too. So um, I'll get the official tally for next week, but that's the key. And then I think for the Flyers, what they really need to look at, despite all the other things that are going on with the roster, if they're really going to aim for the playoffs because of Carter Hart's injury history, no disrespect to him. Hopefully he can, you know, it, 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 they, you know, no disrespect. If it were the playoffs, he probably would have played after that injury. Yeah, he, I was going to say, he did say if it was a competitive team this year, he would have played right. through it. But. but he's never played more than 45 games in a season. So if that's the case, then you need a really strong backup goaltender. And I'll tell you what, I'm not confident with a guy just coming over from Russia from the KHL and coming over and just playing right away in the NHL yep. at that high of a level. I think he needs a season to adjust in the AHL. And the Flyers might want to really look at that. So I think it's something that valuable the Flyers need to know is that while they might have a goaltender coming over here to repair, to compete for the backup position, you really need that because if you're going to make a playoff run, then you need to make sure that you have a good backup goaltender in event a situation like this. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think you, I, I've completely, like I said, I, I kind of have changed my tone on this. Like Fedotov, he has to get used to the NHL size rank. Mm-hmm. Um, compared to the KHLs. And I think the KHL is the same size as the uh, Olympic. Uh, yeah, it's bigger. It's wider. It's a, it's it's a wider, wider It's a wider yeah. rank. Yeah, a lot so more that, room to skate around. That takes a lot of, of time and energy to get used to because it's different angles. It's t- different points of uh, points of attack and, and the mm-hmm. like and all that. And they shoot yeah. from everywhere here. Yep. They don't limit. They shoot from everywhere here. So that's what you have. In a smaller rank, that makes a big difference. Yeah, so I think that it just makes sense to either try and get Martin Jones back on the roster for another year see what he wants to do i don't know what he's getting older he he knows he can be a starter in the nhl somewhere so i think that's more than likely to happen you got to look at who's out there uh this coming off season once once the dust settles in the nhl playoffs and and just go from there if you're chuck fletcher you got to bring in a a veteran to it's a backup carter um go let's go through the playoffs real quick before we, we bring in sawyer i mean let's start and foremost with the battle in florida I mean, the Panthers are in trouble, and you just want, 
You just watch the the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they're obviously a team that has won back-to-back Stanley Cups. But if you're watching them and had never did not know that this team had won back-to-back Stanley Cups in the last two seasons, it's so evident they are a, a class above the NHL right now in just how they perform and play in the playoffs. Because right. once the playoffs start, the Lightning are just like they flip the switch on, and that and that that's how it goes. Um, despite Florida obviously being the president's trophy winner and all that. So Florida's in trouble. Uh, uh, listen, listen, I, 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 I'm not a huge lightning guy. I'm not a mm-hmm. fan. I don't like teams when they win more than one in a row. And it, for me, it's like you go through the whole season to see the same team win it again. It drives me nuts. I don't know why. It's a personal thing. It's never happened here in Philadelphia, so I can't. You what? know, I'll probably 74, live 75. What are you talking about? I wasn't alive then. Are you okay, kidding me? That, I've never yeah, seen to it. add that little asterisk yeah. there. In I, I, moments I've that we never have not seen been alive. it. I guess I've never seen it. We so haven't seen I a see lot it. of. Let's be honest here, Scott. You and I, being as young as we are, we haven't seen a lot of things other than no. the first Super Bowl. No. Like that's what that's that's no. what we have our hat to hang yeah, on. We, right we, now. We've seen a lot of second round losses. That's what we've yeah. Seen. And, so, and and coming up short in the choking situation and, and just yep. losing in, in <laughs> game six. Swept in the Stanley Cup final overtime game terrible. six. Terrible. Oh, stop it. We are not no. a well-oiled machine no. like the Tampa no. Bay Lightning. No. Damn curse of Billy Penn. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you look, to happy, by the way, let's celebrate Toronto losing in the first round for six years in a row. <laughs> I knew you. I've been uh, waiting I, for I you love to it. This love up. it. Absolutely love it. Like, that's the Dallas of, of, of hockey there. Can't stand them. Um, <laughs> absolutely love seeing that. I was so happy in game seven when they won, uh, when, when the Tampa won. But the thing is, here's the thing Tampa, and you're right, they have that championship pedigree. So, that kind of game seven, they needed that to kind of get them going because they were up and down in that series. Like, they, Toronto, Toronto really had a good chance. They were, I thought, Toronto Toronto, had I had Toronto they winning. Won it. Yeah, I had most Toronto winning. Did. Most people did, but. You know, that's where I, you know, I talk about experience at the back of goaltender. That's championship experience there. You know, a team where, you know, look, they weren't making any crazy plays. They were blocking shots, get the puck out of the zone. They were forcing Toronto to go back, get it, and reset. They weren't giving many shot angles, weren't doing anything along those lines, blocking, you know, blocking shots, taking away the lanes, easy outs to the zone. Once they had a 2 1 lead, they were sitting on it. And then it's exactly a team that knows how to lock down and win a game, win a championship. That's what you needed to do. It's I, I I still think Florida has a chance in this thing. I just think that their offense just needs to start get going a little bit. Um, but yet again, too, those are two rivals right now. And listen, when you give up a goal with three seconds left in the third period, and that is completely demoralizing. When everybody's like, oh, yeah, we're going to overtime. And all of a sudden, oh, my God, the game's over. Tampa did that in 2015 against Montreal. And Montreal fell apart after that. So and uh, that's when they went on to the final. Now. Can I see a, a really good series? Because the Rangers, I think Rangers are done. When your goaltender gives up one goal and you still lose the game, you, you're, I think the Rangers are in big trouble at this point. Their offense just can't go in. And Antiranta shutting them down. I think Carolina just has the edge there. I think they're a faster team. Um, they're in trouble. So, you know, I don't want to think too far ahead, but Florida. Well, Shesterkin is just is what we anticipated Shesterkin to do in the first round, he's doing in the second round. He's just kind of falling flat. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think he played bad the other night. He gave him one goal, like you know what I mean. Yeah. But in those couple games against Pittsburgh, he wasn't ready. And that's the thing is that I just everybody's like, "Oh, he's going to win the Vezina. They're going to Rangers are going to run train." I'm like, yeah, the playoffs are a different story. You know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. and this uh, is this is is this his first as a starter, Shosturkin, in the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yes, because who? Because it was the two Russian Georgiev, Georgiev, and, and yeah. Shosturkin were the yeah. tandem. So now Shosturkin has established himself, obviously, as the one. So right. Yeah, this is this would be his first 
full playoffs. So yeah, it right. makes sense to see him yeah. fall and fly. And and he had the offensive production in front of him. That's not all of a sudden that's gone Correct. by the wayside. Like that's you, what's happened here. Right. And when you play that shutdown style game in hockey and that's what happens. And Mancy Rods has played very well, actually. He's played very well. Look at the other night, they, the Rangers had a wide open net. And Tony D'Angelo was looking the other way at Antti Ranta. Ranta splits across, and the shot hits the back of D'Angelo's leg. So that's puck luck right there, and you need that in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, with uh, the Avalanche and the Blues, if Jordan Bennington does not come back, he's not even healthy, this, this series is over. I just, I mean, I yeah. don't want to put it all on one player, and no disrespect to the Blues, but I just don't think that without a goaltender that can really stand up to the offensive type, uh, that Billy Husso is not that guy uh, that I can see anyway. Um, so it would be is, um, yeah, I think that series could be wrapped up rather quickly if he doesn't come back healthy. And then the last series you have, um, uh, the battle of Alberta that yeah, this is better been, go seven games. This has to go seven. So they play again tonight on Sunday night, I believe. Right. Because there was only one game last night and it was obviously the blues in Colorado. That that's mind boggling to me for yeah. the NHL trying yeah. to gather in ratings on a weekend like that, yeah. whatever. But, yeah. um, I want to read this stat to you because okay. I saw this and my jaw hit the floor. And this is an okay. overall playoffs for Connor McDavid. Obviously, he willed them to, to a victory um, the other night. In 2016, Sidney Crosby won the Conn Smythe Trophy with six goals, 19 points in 24 games. Pretty good stat line. That's pretty yeah. good for, for a yeah. guy like Sidney Crosby over 24 games. In nine games played, Connor McDavid in the 2022 NHL playoffs has six goals and 20 points. Like that's absurd. And I, wow. and a dude, and if you, I don't know, you're not the biggest basketball fan, but do you remember when, the, when the Cavaliers won the, when the Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA championship behind LeBron James return against mm-hmm. a, a, not only against golden state, but a 73 win golden state and a team that went down three, one in the NBA finals, mm-hmm. LeBron James willed that team to victory to win that series. Correct. Connor McDavid is going to will this team is, is willing this team to win in any way capacity that he can. Like that's why they are where they are because we saw the disappointment in, in Edmonton the last couple of years, uh, wasting not just the career of Connor McDavid, but also dry cycle. Right. Like, this cannot be wasted. And you see what I think Connor McDavid's starting to feel, not the pressure, but he knows that like, Hey, I don't have, I like this has to, this has to convert at some point And I got, right. I got to be the guy behind it. So you that's know, why I think they're, they're just being absurdly good. Despite me having Cal, uh, Calgary in the final. Um, listen, and, and as that, as far as that goes, the series getting a win in Calgary is huge, but you know what? Like that's going to be such a wide open series because, they're both offensively talented teams. They're both very fast. And yep. you know what? I think the difference is right now, right now, is that you've seen the ability to battle back by Edmonton, which we really haven't seen in the past. So, like, and for instance, like, you no, know, Calgary had a had a 5-1 lead, a 6-2 lead at one point in game one. And that game was tied at six at the at the beginning of the third period. That game went wild. Um, and then Calgary wound up winning the game. And then the other night, Calgary had a two-goal lead. And then next thing you know, the most dangerous lead in hockey is a two-goal lead. Yep. And next thing you know, they're coming back. They score two breakaway goals on Markstrom, and they're playing so wide open that basically is that 
Calgary is playing into Edmonton's hands because Edmonton's now able to transition off the rush with them and Calgary pressing, and pressing, and pressing, and trying to beat Mike Smith. And they're pressing so hard that uh, what's it called? Um, they they're pressing so hard that they're losing coverage defensively. Now, here's the thing. And that plays into the series. Now, my question would be, is that it's Edmonton's back end, not so much Mike Smith. It's their defense. Is their defense deep enough to go in if they beat around and to go in and play against Colorado or, or, or go into a Stanley Cup final if they go that far? But I don't want to discount Calgary either because Calgary is a very good team. They're a balanced team overall. You know, they don't have Sean Monaghan. Yeah, we're, we're, ignoring, we're ignoring the guy that everybody here in Philadelphia wants, or at least the majority, in Johnny, Johnny Gaudreau. Gaudreau. Oh, that game seven an, goal against Jay yeah. Gottinger? He's having an absurd season just, just like Connor McDavid is. I think he yeah. crossed 40 goals for the first time in his career. Yeah, I think he had well over 100 points this year. Yeah, so, I, yeah so that's what I mean. Monster season in a contract year. So it's and, not going to be it's not going to be a cheap contract if, if Chuck Fletcher has Johnny Gaudreau in the, in the plans here. But right. to, to staying focused on the batter, battle for Alberta uh, series right now, I mean, he's one of the reasons that Connor McDavid could be negated. Like, that's yeah. really what it – like, yeah. They, but you could argue that Connor McDavid and 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 Johnny Gaudreau's skill set offset each other. Connor McDavid's just yeah overall the better player. Uh, correct, and yeah, he also plays the middle too. So I mean, yeah. and you know, he's his skating's outstanding. That spin move he had the other night, and then set up that goal. It, it's a, it is a normal thing. Like at like at, at some point, we as hockey fans and and the NHL fans overall are just going to stare at and watch a Connor McDavid skate through five defenders, five defenders, mm-hmm. and just go, oh okay. Yeah, yeah, that's today. Like, like, wow. It's a Tuesday. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how good he is. He's the best player in the league by far. It's not even close. Yep. And it really comes down to because of his skating. He just does everything so much faster than everybody else. And dry settles a sniper. And you have a setup guy like McDavid who's get you moving left, right. And then a guy who can pinpoint at with pinpoint accuracy like dry settle, you know. But that's the thing is that. It takes more than two players to win it, win a series. Yeah. And while the the Flames didn't play the best game in Game Two, I expect them to go into Edmonton tonight and, and actually and play very well. And 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 this series, if it doesn't go seven, I'll be very disappointed. Not because yep. of who wins it; it's more or less because it's been such a good series so far through two games. I'm really excited to see what happens with the rest. Uh, and, and let's bring in Sawyer here for an update. Um, if you have not, if you did not hear us in in a couple episodes ago. We found a very disheartening moment with Sawyer, uh, Scott Weinhardt's uh, son, where he decided to go from a Flyers fan to a Penguins fan. And we were trying to figure out ways to figure out how to fix this. We needed to figure it out because you can't have that happen like this. This we're a Flyers podcast. We can't have a, a Penguins fan on our show. So let's bring back Sawyer. Uh, what's going on, and uh, what's your update for us, buddy? Say hi, Sawyer. Hi. Okay, so we have a question for you, Sawyer. Who is your favorite team? Who's your favorite hockey team? Go ahead, you can be honest. Who's your favorite hockey team? Yeah, he doesn't want to say it he because he knows he's going to say. Who? What, okay, so what colors are your favorite hockey team? He's fake sleeping. He, of course, he wants uh, to do I was going to say, sleeping. it sounds like he's sleeping. He's, he's fake now. sleeping. Okay. All right. I guess we'll talk about the playoffs. All right. So if I had to pick between the Blues and the Avalanche, who do you got? <laughs> All right. Great. So here, I, I have the Avalanche. Yeah. So right. does that Hang help? On. Hang on. Let's do this. Let's put on the headphones on you. Hang on. Can you talk to Bill? I don't want to. You don't want to? 
Oh. He wants to sleep. You know, I, I, I teased the whole time. We hyped come this on all today. Up. We hyped the whole thing up today because you said you were going to come on the podcast before you went to bed last night, and now you don't want to do that? All right. I mean, I mean, we can either talk a hockey or I mean, we're not going to be able to play video games afterwards now. You want to play video games? Yeah? And you got to talk. You got to tell Bill. What, 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 who's your favorite team? The Amlet. Oh, right. that's a good choice. Right, I, so I approve of that. All right. That's a good, that's a good team. Good so choice. Your, Sawyer. your favorite team right now is the Avalanche. So if you had to pick between the Avalanche and the Blues, who's going to win? Avalanche. There right. you go. So nice you go. choice. All right. So who are you going to pick between the Rangers and the Hurricanes? The Hurricanes. All right. Nice. Another good choice. We're on a roll here. We're two and All right. And who are you going to pick between the Flames and the Oilers? Over the Oilers. Oilers, nice. Right. I and approve. Then, all right, and last but not least, who are you gonna pick between the Panthers and the Lightning? Panthers. Hey, yes. he's, 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 he's coming to come back. I know he doesn't have the headphones. Sawyer, is it because you still follow Claude Giroux? Is it because you follow Claude Giroux? Yep, he's touching the yeah. microphone. Don't, don't touch that. Okay, there you go. <laughs> all right, all right. Now let me ask you this. Okay, so last question for you, buddy. Okay, last question. All right, you got to be honest with me. Okay. Penguins, Flyers. Who you got? The Flyers. Yeah, yeah there so it is. See, all right. Now I have redeemed myself, fatherhood, for this week. Because, there you go. You know, we have done yes. that so far this week. So, yeah. So, and who's your favorite team, Sawyer? The Flyers. Everything is right. We're so we're, glad. The universe is aligned and expanding. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love it. Thank you for coming on today, buddy. Did you have fun? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Now All you right. get to play video games. Yeah, we're gonna play some video games. What do you want to play? What do you want to play? We want to play cars. Yeah. All right. I'll play some cars. Play some Sonic Racing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Oh, I thought it was like Lightning McQueen because I was gonna say. Well, like... I mean, we 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 do have it, but you know, we yeah. do have it here. But this game is like surprisingly hard. Like really. Cars is extremely hard. Is it based on Cars One or Cars Two? Because that's cars your problem. Three. Right? Cars three. Oh, okay. So that's Based a good one. Cars three. Because cars it's, one it's, was good. Cars two was trash. Cars three was good. Yeah. Car. Yeah. So, it's, but that's it's really hard. Like <laughs> no joke. Like I'm like I'm dominating this race. And next thing I'm like, what? Why am I in seventh? Like I don't understand. Like this is a kids game. I can't even beat it. So you know, it's 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 craziness. It's craziness. That's so, incredible. Yeah. Well, there's no reason that Mater should be faster than Lightning Queen. <laughs> Just saying, throwing that out there. For all you dads who watch this crap, like you know, so you know, there's no reason. So when I'm playing it and I'm losing to Nader, I know I got problems. Yeah. Oh my God, that's incredible. I'm gonna leave. Let's leave it at that. That's an incredible high note to leave this on. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much. If you are a, a longtime listener, you know that we just fixed Sawyer. He's always yeah. right in the world again. So glad that is uh, that is there. Um, if you have a question for us, orangeabackjack at gmail.com. As always, uh, we'll read your fan question on, on the air every once in a while. At uh, Obackcheck on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. Uh, if you have a contribution, TikTok as well, Orange Backcheck Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Sorry, who's your favorite team? Flyers. Yeah, there it is again. Okay.